Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Hey, Nicole. It's so great to see you again. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? I'm doing really great. I'm really great. And this always branches off to to last week. We were talking about chromium, and you did mention we were going to do a podcast on PSSM. And so I think we'll just jump into it. What is PSSM? Yes. You know, a lot of times like podcast one gives me an idea about podcast two, and then we're seven podcasts mm-hmm. down a rabbit trail. But, um, yes, you know, yes. when we... When we talked about this last week, I realized we hadn't really touched on it. So PSSM is polysaccharide storage myopathy. There are now multiple types, but today we're just going to focus on type one, which is the very first one that was identified. So PSSM type one is a genetic disorder, and there is a mutation in a specific gene the glycogen synthase one gene that essentially makes the horse very sensitive to insulin. So when the horse eats a meal, it breaks it down into sugar, specifically glucose. And insulin's job is to send that glucose from the blood into storage. And that storage is in fat and muscle. And in these horses, they're just incredibly efficient at this process. So they stuff tons of glucose into storage as glycogen. Glycogen is your muscle store of energy, but not only do they store a lot of it, they also store it in a very strange form. So if you look at glycogen under a microscope, it has all these branches. And in PSSM type one, it makes extra branches and the horse doesn't have an enzyme to cut apart those extra types of branches. So what ends up happening when a horse is exercising, normally once blood glucose gets down to a certain level, they start mobilizing glycogen in the muscle to give them energy to continue doing their job. And they do that by clipping apart the glycogen. Well, in this case, because it has those extra branches, it can't break down the glycogen. And all of a sudden, the horse runs out of energy available to be able to do its job, essentially to function. So this is not just like a horse who like gets a little tired at the end of the ride. What actually happens when a horse has one of these episodes is they've completely run out of energy. And in really severe cases, what will happen is they'll actually tie up and A horse who is tying up, I mean, they'll be in distress, so they'll be sweating, trembling, and afterwards, you'll notice that they'll have incredibly dark urine, and the reason that urine is dark is because it's really high in the secondary compounds from muscle damage. So essentially, because the horse has this genetic mutation, we get this cascade of things that happens that ends up with muscle damage and makes the horse incredibly uncomfortable. And all of those things reduces performance. Now you mentioned tying up. I, I, the other genetics when I, when I think of it is HYPP, how does it differ? How does PSSM differ from HYPP, which we covered uh, just a reminder, the the listeners, we covered this in an episode uh, last end of last September in 2021. So how is it? I, I, I'm sorry. How does that differ uh, between the two? 
Yep. So that's a really good question. They're both lots of letters. They're both mm-hmm. genetic <laughs> mutations. Uh, they both occur in stock horses, although you can see PSSM type 1 and other uh, breeds as well. Uh, the difference is, even though in some ways, actually, the beginnings of an HYPP episode versus tying up could look similar, a horse in distress, sweating, trembling, those things, the actual mechanism is very different. So in HYPP, it's an intracellular calcium signaling issue, and you don't have that same muscle breakdown that happens that you do in PSSM type 1. A very unlucky horse, though, could actually have both. So these are both things that are on your AQHA 5 panel testing uh, because they both do occur within that breed. They are both muscle-related, but the actual mechanisms are entirely separate. So you mentioned some of these stock type horses. What other horse types are affected by PSSM? So PSSM type 1, specifically, definitely prevalence in stock horses. It can be in some other breeds. I mean, there's very low amounts found in Morgans, for example. Um, But the other large group of horses with PSSM type 1 are some of our draft breeds. So Belgians, for example, they've estimated up to 40% of Belgians carry PSSM type 1, at least one gene. It's found in uh, mostly draft breeds of Eastern European descent, so not necessarily other ones we would see here. Uh, Breton would be one. Interestingly, so you have draft horses that have kind of a differing base background, like your Shire or Clydesdale. PSSM type 1 isn't found in those draft horses. Um, So certainly in some, but not in all draft horses, but stock breeds and drafts would be your two large populations that have this genetic mutation. It it is fascinating. And and when you do look at the the genetic lineage of these horse breeds, you know, I'd love to go back and do like their family tree to kind of figure out where all this genetic disorder came from. But if I'm an owner and, and I know my breed of horse you know, it it does happen in them. How could I tell if they have PSSM1? This is the only PSSM version that has a non-invasive, very simple, very inexpensive test. So this is actually done with a hair test. Um, So something you can do through your vet, or you can even send samples off to a lab directly. But essentially, you just have to pull a certain number of main hairs and send them off, and they're able to give you Uh, information on that, whether or not your horse has this genetic disorder. And when you get those results, you would see either, you see two genes. So it'll be N slash N would mean your horse is negative. It doesn't have PSSM type one. If you see N slash P, that means your horse has one copy of the PSSM type one gene. And then a P slash P would mean your horse has two copies of the PSSM type 1 gene. That means it would have had to got it from both its dam and its sire. If they have one copy, um, it could possibly be in both lines, but they would have only inherited it from one. There is a little bit of anecdotal information that oftentimes horses with two copies of the gene are more severely affected. Uh, Because it's a range of symptoms, some of these horses only have, you know, mild performance issues, maybe some back soreness. 
more significant would be that tying up and we'd see high muscle enzymes. So if you were to run their blood after one of these episodes, there's a couple enzymes we would see that are elevated. But it's, you know, thankfully, there's some controversy around some of the other PSSM testing. But for PSSM type 1, that's something with a peer-reviewed, very well-accepted genetic test that just requires a hair sample. Good explanation. Yep. And yeah, the genetic testing we have today, that's so cheap. It's just amazing. It's amazing. 40 bucks. Yeah. I know. I know. It's like, oh, you know, decades ago, that was like a thousand dollars. It's so affordable today. So with all of this being said, you know, we know these horses exist. They're out there in the population. Where does diet nutrition come in? You know, what, why are we concerned with their nutrition? Because this particular gene is impacting insulin and glycogen storage, it is one that we have some tools from a nutritional standpoint that we can help manage. So basically what we look to do in these horses is to provide very low NSC diets, so sugars and starches, coming from both our forages and our concentrates. Because if we keep those low, we keep blood insulin lower, which means we're not having that excessive glycogen storage. Now, in order for these horses to do their job, of course, we have to provide them with a different energy source. And in that case, we're looking at providing fat. So we're going to provide these horses diets that are lower in NSC and higher in fat. You know, originally when we looked at it, we were feeding them low NSC diets with like multiple cups of oil per day. We've learned that not all of them need super, super high fat, but they do at least need moderate to high fat in their diet with low NSC. And then the other important component is that just diet alone rarely is going to be enough to control the symptoms for these animals. Because the other thing you have to do is provide very consistent exercise. And that very consistent exercise, meaning every day for most horses, does two things. One, it keeps them from building up that glycogen in their muscle. And two, what it's going to do is it essentially gives their body the time to train to use fat as their energy source. So what I always tell people when we're making this shift is that it takes at least a couple weeks for the body to upregulate those enzymes that use fat to energy to really get ramped up to do their job. And then we have to keep that process going in order to maintain the horse at some level of performance without having those tying up or milder symptoms. So It's one of those situations where the diet intervention is definitely helpful. The exercise component is so, so important. Oftentimes you will see horses that maybe they do really well when they're in a regular training program. And then for some reason they've sat for a bit and you go to put them back to work and all of a sudden they tie up and you said, well, I've never had this issue with this horse before, but you think back to, how they're managed from an exercise standpoint makes such a big difference on how they respond to the dietary intervention. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I know you you were talking about concentrate, but do you have any concerns with forage or types of forage? Yep. That's a great question. So the NSCs coming from your forage absolutely do make a difference as well. 
So we're going to want to make sure we have a lower NSC forage. Usually lower than 10 to 12% NSC in forage is appropriate for most of these horses. Where you'd want to be very mindful is spring grass. So we mostly talk about forage sugars and spring grass as it relates to pasture laminitis. Uh, but it certainly would be enough to also create a PSSM issue in these horses as well, uh, because we know that when we have those warm sunny days and cold nights, sugars accumulate in your grass and it could easily get to be too high for the PSSM horse. Now, supplements, when it comes to supplements, I I was just thinking like, okay, is constant comfort okay? You know, is that something that, that you should feel comfortable feeding a horse or are there any supplements out there you'd be like, whoa, yeah, avoid for a PSSM horse? Hmm. Yep. So for PSSM type one, uh, referring back to our last podcast, I would avoid any supplements containing chromium. But (laughs) but other than that, you know, your gut health supplements, your joint supplements, anything like that would be appropriate for these horses still. The main thing is we just want to keep total NSC low and make sure we have that added source of fat. Um, So oftentimes I'll recommend we feed calm and easier senior sport. And in some cases we might add a fat supplement on top of that if they need more fat than is provided in those products. And oftentimes what I tell people is it's a little bit of a learning curve with each individual horse on how they need to be managed. So certainly we make those broad diet overhauls and then we might tweak things to really maximize that horse's comfort and performance. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah, good recommendations. Any final tips on these horses? I mean, it was a good, it was great talking about the exercise, consistency, uh, things like that. But anything else that you would like to to share? I think that pretty well covers it, actually, Chris. <laughs> um, <laughs> you did a good job. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a disease process that we're very lucky to understand the underlying mechanism really well. When we talk about some of the other types of PSSM, it's it's definitely a bit cloudier. But this one, there are many horses that with the appropriate diet and exercise program can do really well still performing jobs to, you know, the levels that their owners would like to. Well, good, good. Okay, well, we'll leave it at that this week. And, you know, I just want to thank the listeners for, for joining us and, you know, for the reviews on iTunes and any other podcasting apps that you have that you can review. Thank you so much. Please keep those comments coming on Facebook. Uh, and then always remember, especially if you're concerned with a PSSM horse or you might have a PSSM horse, remember Tribute offers that free consultation. The link's always in the show notes. You can call up to the team and they can formulate an appropriate diet for your animals. But thank you so much, Nicole. Yeah. Thank you, Chris.